0: Welcome into the November 9th episode of Locked On Leafs Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. Leafs win streak snapped in overtime last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll break down the game and get some practice updates also from today's skate at Leafs Camp. All that and more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. You're Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the
1: Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, one stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host Mike Tostefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me it's my co-host Dave Morosuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast. So be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also now catch us up on video format up on YouTube. Just search up Locked On Leafs, hit subscribe, and get daily. Leafs coverage directly to you. Um, I mean, Leafs losing 4-3 in overtime to the Red Hot Vegas Golden Knights last night who extend their winning streak to eight straight games. Dude, that team is unbelievable. They're a buzzsaw right now. But Toronto picking up the pity points, so points in four straight for them. They pick up five a possible six in that gauntlet that they had to go through against Boston, Carolina, and then Vegas. Um, now tied for second in the Atlantic. Uh, what did you make of the performance last night at the Maple Leafs, Dave?
1: It's disappointing because they controlled that game, not start to finish, but for most of that game, it was it was their game to win. When you have a lead like that, and considering how they lost, it's a disappointing result. You know, some will say they got the point out of it, but no, they should have gotten. Two points out of that game. That was two points. Well, uh, that extra point that they gave up, they coughed it up.
0: See, I feel opposite. I actually do feel opposite. I don't think they earned a full two points in that game. I think the the way that they defended and the amount of odd man rushes and breakaways that they gave up in that game, they're lucky that they were allowed to get that point, right? Like that game was 2-1 early in the second period and how many breakaway saves did Shawgren have to make? Like three, four, maybe five breakaway stops throughout the game. But like three in particular early in the second period, the one was on the same shift, like back-to-back, made some big time stops to keep it a 2-1 deficit and allowed Toronto to get their legs claw back in and then completely dominate the rest of the second period. Like the latter half of that second period was all Toronto. And, you know, Marner scores, uh, Lilligren scores, and they end up kind of taking the lead three, two after, after two. And yeah, you can be disappointed that they, I suppose weren't able to hunker down and, and lock down the lead. And then they gave up the tying goal on the, on the power plays is, is a little upsetting, but ultimately I, I, I don't think they necessarily earned the full two points. So I think only getting one out of it is, is probably pretty accurate uh, representation of their play. If you know, the hockey gods are handing out points based off of performance,
1: I mean, they probably got it right. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, right? The way, the reason why I was disappointed is like, for as bad as they play in like those cases where they were turning the puck over, allowing all those odd man rushes, they still had the lead. And sometimes in games like that, you just gotta finish it. You just have to find a way to finish it, get the two points, especially against a really good Vegas team that winning has not been. Like they've been they what they're now at an eight game winning streak so you know they don't give up opportunities like this very often and that was the disappointing part uh for me is that the two points were there for Toronto and they let it slip away because they couldn't find their focus uh especially I said going into this game turnovers yeah you're like yeah I know we're just gonna turn over the puck a bunch of times and you know do their our best to not win this game apparently
0: yeah, there, there's no better team, I think, in the NHL that makes you pay when you turn the puck over. 17 giveaways in total um, out of the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. That's 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 not a winning formula against the, the, the Golden Knights. Um, but ultimately, I think there was some good stuff that we could pull out of it. So, I, I mean, when we talk about uh, Timothy Lilligren getting a couple of goals last night, I've, I've never looked at Lilligren and said, hey, he's a sniper. That guy can really shoot the puck, but that guy could really shoot the puck, can he, Dave? Like, I didn't really actually, I mean, I, he shot it's here and there a little bit, but, like, last night seemed like a couple of, like, defensive goal scorers goals where they can just shoot, take some rips, and they hit the back of the net, and that's kind of what Lilligrew was showing us last night.
1: It's so surprising because the Leafs don't have it, right? They just haven't had it this season, and, you know someone's got to do it right we thought Rasmus Sandin was really going to be that guy to drive more of the offense from the from the point but you know Timothy Lilgren when when they drafted him he was known as an offensive defenseman i if you watch him with the marlies you saw a little bit of this but to do it at the nhl level is also another thing right and to see him do that Should make the Leafs realize that maybe there's a little more here to what Timothy Lilligan can do offensively because these weren't fluke goals. Like it wasn't like he got he had wide open nets to score from. No, these were like pinpoint shots that he had to find the hole to beat Logan Thompson. Like these were great goals that he scored. And how about that pass from David Camp on that first goal? That he scored. I
0: mean, you want to talk about the pass from David camper You want to talk about the pass from Mitch Marner? Like, both of
1: them. <laughs> yeah, they did one-up each other a little bit. Like, like, both
0: feeds on those goals were outstanding, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. They were both at standing feet. Marner, obviously, you know, his was, you know, the deception play to do the turnaround and find uh, – it was almost like the, the typical Mitch Marner play where he decides to pass it off after he well, – Oh, go
0: ahead. Well, I just like, just off of that, I felt like last night from the second period onward, we did see more of, uh, uh, you know, the old Mitch Marner or the Mitch Marner from the second half of last year when he was one of the most dominant, prolific players in the in the, in the entire NHL. I felt like he kind of gave us some of those vibes again last night. Like the goal he scored was outstanding, made oh. a couple of real solid plays. Like that was a prop. I, I definitively, I think I could say Mitch Marner's best game of the season
1: the The best part about that too was how much the leaves that top line was able to keep the puck in the offensive zone, cycle it. That was all the creativity of that that line. they like, this is what this is what we expected from Mitch Marner from the start of the year. I don't know what what was taking him so long to get to this point, but like this is what we were expecting from Mitch Marner. It was nice to see like that play he made on his goal was like, those are things only really Mitch Marner can do on this team. And like the Leafs need more of that. That's that's what's been missing from the start of the season. So it was nice to see him do it against a good Vegas team. Right. You know, you're not seeing him taking advantage of, you know, a, a team that, You expect them to do that against like to do it against Vegas. I think has a little more cachet
0: to it too. I wouldn't mind him doing it against those teams. You'd expect him to also, (laughs) because it doesn't seem like anybody wants to go out there and dominate the Arizona's and the, uh, the Montreal's and the Buffaloes of the world. But here we are. They instead want to go out there and play this way against Carolina, against Vegas. And that's great too. But sometimes against those lesser opponents, which like this weekend, the Penguins have been in a massive slide. They got two games against the Penguins coming up. They got a game against Vancouver coming up. Like the next three games are against non-playoff teams. Can they go out there and perform, bring the same performance that you had this weekend, and continue it forward? So they play the way they did last night in Vegas. It's not that Toronto played poorly, really. Like Vegas is a really good team. You got to give credit to, to that to that squad, and they do make you pay the minute you turn the puck over with their speed and their counterattack. Um, but if they can play similarly to the way they did clean it up a little bit with the turnovers and keep in mind, I wonder how much of that too was like, you know, third game and four nights, there's a lot of travel back and forth over the border. Um, you know, how much that factored into the level of maybe sloppiness that we saw at some points, like that first goal was just pure sloppiness. Even Lilligren's goal or the goal that he allowed at the end of the period there, you know, third game and four nights can allow that with, with you know, cross-border travel back and forth. So I think overall, though, the least played all right. And um, why don't we take a quick break, and we can get into uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I suppose, as we continue to break this game down. And then uh, we also have some updates and practice, little practice reports that we can give also here on the show. But before we get any further, let me tell you guys about Athletic, greens uh what is this stuff well with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help start your day right the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus aging all of these things they are fantastic it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free gluten-free, whatever, it's good for you. They contain less than one gram of sugar, um, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting quite good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit anyways. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements all by yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7000 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of in-water each and every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, no supplements. It's just the one scoop of the AG1 and a out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into Locked On These Podcasts. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're reacting to the Maple Leafs 4-3 overtime loss last night to the surging Vegas Golden Knights, who now won eight in a row. But the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, they didn't play poorly. Uh, they didn't go out there and completely whoop them, obviously. Um, but it was a pretty, pretty – it was a decent performance. I think a good performance, all things considered. Third game, four nights, backup goaltender, cross-border travel, and playing – oh, yeah – the hottest and best team in the National Hockey League who are on two days rest. So all things considered, I think the, the Leafs could be, could be happy with their performance. They probably wish they would have won and hung on the third, but ultimately taking a point and getting five out of six in this gauntlet, I think they would have been happy with that uh, if we would have had this conversation a week ago. Uh, but as we do with every single game, if it's a win, it's the three stars. But in a loss, a losing effort, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's get to it, Dave. Uh, sh- let's start with the goods. What was good about last night's game?
1: I thought Mitch Marner, simply put, he was a catalyst for the offense that they really needed. You know, we brought the setup to Timothy Liljegren and his goal. Like, if this is what, you know, we were wondering if they should have kept the top line together going into this game after they were split up against Carolina. Mitch Marner's... Well, it doesn't matter who he's playing with right now. He's, he's feeling it, right. That set up for Tavares, that goal against Carolina. Now he had those two great plays against Vegas. We're starting to see the Marner train rolling. The Mountain Dew is is looking good for him right now.
0: The Mountain Dew is looking good. Um, yeah. Marner was, was great, obviously. Same with, with Timothy Lilligren. But, you know, we got to get some love to, to Eric Schalgren, the guy in net. I mean, that guy was, was phenomenal at times in that game. Um 10 of the 14 shots he faced at 5-on-5 were of the high-danger variety. So he didn't face a lot of shots. When you look at the save percentage at the end of the night, it doesn't look great allowing four goals on like 18 or 19 shots. But more than 50% of the shots he faced were of the high-danger grade A variety. And he only allowed uh, a couple of goals off of those. He was outstanding to keep this team in it um, in that second period when they were... Coughing up the puck left, right, and center and, and allowing those odd man rushes and allowing those breakaways. He was there. He was up to task. I thought Shalgren, um, again, despite a lot of four goals last night, was a it was was great when and made some big time saves to allow that team to even get that point. So I I do want to give some love to uh, to Eric Shalgren. Um, the bad, David. Uh, the bad was uh
1: let's go with the overtime goal. I don't know what was going on there. It was like Moses parting the Red Sea, and Riley Smith was just like, "Thank you very much." Like I understand three on three overtime, it's tough to defend, but to what what led to the to that breakaway chance? How he was able to get free and open like that? I mean, it was a beautiful goal by Riley Smith. When you have so much time in the world, you're gonna pull. You're more than likely gonna pull off a great move to score, but. I, I just that that they were just way too nonchalant with the puck in overtime there and and it burned them like it's uh, another uh, case where you you got to be a lot more aware of what's going on in those situations.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, for me it was it was also the start, right? Allowing a goal forty-five seconds into the game. It's a tough play for Sandine. Puck kind of rolls off his his stick and he's not able to track down the, the player. And and you know, forty-five seconds into the game, um, you know, we we got a goal score. Nicola Wa kind of follows up on a on a on a, um a rebound sitting in the crease. And the Leafs are chasing from there on out, right? Down one nothing, and then they were down 2-1, and ultimately got a lead, but weren't able to hang on to it, as we noted. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's, that's not a good start. It's not what you want, um, which leads me to the ugly, which, again, is all of the turnovers, like just turnovers, turnovers. 17 giveaways in this game last night by the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you're giving the puck away to a team like Vegas, they make you pay. And they did. Go look at every single one of the goals that Vegas scored last night. They all came off turnovers of some kind, whether they were you know passes that were, weren't cleared, picked off, or they were passes that just for whatever reason bounced off the stick and uh, like Sandines and Lumbergins. Like it just was not a clean night for the Maple Leafs, and uh, they they you know Vegas made them pay. So the turnovers it's it's ugly, they got to get cleaned up. That's that's really the least whenever they lose, they typically are like shooting themselves in the foot by, you know, stuff like this happening to them.
1: Yeah, I know. That was just that that was my ugly too because I knew that this was something that they need to be more aware about and they weren't aware about it and it was just how the turnovers led to those goals because the it wasn't even just that they turned the puck over, it's that turnover Here's a breakaway. Turnover, here's a two on one. Turnover, here's a three on two. Like that's where that's what's really frustrating is that the turnovers are putting them in such bad spots. And they, they gotta learn from it. It's the same guys as well. Lulugren, he has been playing as much, so he's still, I think, trying to get his uh, you know, every trying to get back into the swing of things. But Sandine has to have a little more awareness. Yeah. Like I understand it's a bit of a balancing puck. It wasn't like a great like it wasn't like a total boneheaded play, but you got to have a little more awareness of the guy rushing you in that situation. You got to take, uh, you got, you just have to be, be a lot more aware about it when that's yeah. happening.
0: Yeah. And, and situational hockey was something that got brought up a lot in uh, the post game press conference. It was more so in reference to the, the game tying goal on the power play, just saying that they probably should have got off the icelet. They had fresh legs to chase down, um, a team like that, uh, but anyways, that's besides the point, uh, but yeah, it, it definitely, it, sandy does have to play better, just in general, I felt like his play has kind of not been uh, stellar of late, and, and, and it's funny, because the last, like, two, three years, I feel like we've always talked about Rasmus Sandin having this higher ceiling to Timothy Lilligren, but right now, like, Lilligren might be showing us that he has more so what it takes to be like a top 4 NHLer than Rasmus Sandin. Would you agree with that?
1: Right now, he's showing to be more of the complete defenseman, especially I was concerned when my first saw in the NHL, like bigger bodies were pushing him off the puck, pushing him you know, and getting to those dirty areas. Sandin. I'm talking about, talking about both of them. Like when Liljegren first came, that was sort of an issue for him, but then he went back to the Marlies. He worked on it. He got better, and he's and now Sandine's going through that same thing. So right now, yeah, Lilligren's definitely ahead of him as a top four defenseman in this league. sandine has got to watch what Lilligren has done and kind of copy that path a little bit. Yes, the Leafs need uh, the Leafs need puck moving defense and they need to have offensive capable defensemen. But they also need responsible defensemen as well, right? And Sandin's got to be a little bit better at that. I think Liligran with Riley. I was a little concerned about that pairing. They haven't been too bad.
0: Um, I like. There's. They. I have seen worse pairings. Well, and go look at the the competition that they've had to play, right? Boston, Carolina, Vegas, the three at the time most difficult teams in the NHL, the three best teams in the NHL. And that was your hey, welcome to the season moment. There's no easing in. He had to go and play against some of the top teams who are are, are deep as hell. And uh he was up to the task. Yeah,
1: I know he that's that's not easy, right? You know, he's he wasn't exactly playing a lot of top four minutes last year either. He was kind of thrusted into that role a little bit. We saw him get there in the playoffs, and then he got usurped by Justin Hall going into the season the least were going to need one of Sandine or Lilligrant to step into a top four role and I figured that Lilligren was going to be that guy because he just needed to understand more the role he needs to play to be in that top four and I felt like he was making strides and I'm glad that the injury didn't totally you know put him too much behind the eight ball going into this season.
0: Uh, let's take one more quick break. When we get back, I have pulled up, um, just like the analytics on natural stat trick of, you know, the deep pairing so far this year, let's look at Morgan Riley and Timothy Lilligran and see through the first couple of games, kind of how well they've done. And we can maybe read through the analytics and the stats and see exactly, um, how we feel about them. If it's matched the eye test, because so far I would say it has matched the eye test. I think that they had been a formidable pairing also, um, you know, you, you look at the lineup of Justin Hall and TJ Brody. They have also really improved their play. So we'll take a look at those when we return. A couple updates from practice as well, including one on Matt Murray. Will he be ready to go this weekend? Maybe. I'll tell you a little bit more about that when we return. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Moore Studio, listening to Locked On These Podcasts, part of the po- Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave morris We are a daily Maple Leaf Center podcast. If you're first time joining us and you've made it this far into, into the podcast, really appreciate you tagging along and appreciate you listening. And if you are a daily loyal listener like we know we have out there, thank you so much, obviously, for coming and, and hanging with us each and every day to get your leaf fixed. Hopefully we do a pretty good job um, providing that with you. Um, but always subscribe because our subscriber numbers for recurring people don't make sense. There's a lot of y'all out there who aren't subscribed but come back and watch the videos each and every day. We gotta bump those numbers up. We got make our numbers look like people make it easier uh, on yourselves. Yes, just subscribe, hit the notification bell, and then each and every day, boom, you'll be told exactly when you get that new Leafs content. Um, but to, to take a quote from Matthew McConaughey. We gotta bump those numbers up, the rookie numbers. We gotta we gotta chase down the Locked On sense guys. Locked On sense have like nearly four thousand subscribers on YouTube. We gotta get there. We gotta get there, Lee Station. We cannot be beat by the Ottawa Senators. No. Locked On Sense Pod, help us out. Help us out. Um, let's take a look at, uh, at at the defensive pairings though. Like we were just talking about a moment ago before taking that quick break. Um, you know, just how has Timothy Lilligren and Morgan Riley uh, fair so far this season um, in comparison to I guess you know, the the rest of the, the, the blue liners so I'm going to just pull up uh, a tab or pull up a website that I like to use a lot if you're, you know, if you're new to analytics Natural Stat Trick is a website that a lot of people use um, and that's kind of how we find a lot of our analytics and our stats so we're looking at Morgan Riley and D. Lilligren so these are the numbers So they've played three games together obviously Lilligren just coming back 40 two minutes and 25 seconds of time together at five on five so this is at five on five even strength um they're leading in the shot share department when they're out there so that's a positive sign to look at uh they've been on the ice for more goals than against that's a positive thing to look at expected goals this is something that i always like to look at and what it means essentially is you know how much quality of chances are you not allowing and then when you're on the ice how many quality chances are happening offensively. So you want to be in the positive here. You want to be over 50%. And Morgan Riley and Timothy Lilligren out there, 56.46%, which is actually the second best on the team. If you look at at here, you've got Rasmus Sandin and Gio at 59% when they're out there on the ice. Um, So this is a really good number that they've they've got here for Riley and Lilligren. They're not allowing a whole lot, and they're actually producing some offense. You saw well, Lilligren score twice last night, right? So that was good to see. Um, you know they're not allowing a whole lot of high danger chances. I suppose six and three games means that they're allowing two per game. A lot worse, trust me. Could be closer to uh, what Brody and Riley were allowing. You could see up here twenty-four, which is not great. But a big thing you got to look at too, though, when you're looking into these numbers is you know the offensive like their zone time. How many times are they defensive zones, and how many times are they in the offensive end? And uh, so far. It's been roughly 50-50, I guess. 15 O-zone face-offs, 11 D-zone face-offs, the majority being in the neutral zone. Um, So, you know, being sheltered a little bit, which is what you would expect since Hall and Brody are pretty much the defensive duo out there. Um, So what do you, you know, I I think we can say that so far, so good with that pairing. And what I actually like about it is it allows Hall to have the safety blanket and TJ Brody next to him. That's really seemed to have settled his game. Like we haven't talked about Justin Hall making blunders all week, Dave. Yeah. Well, we haven't even, we have yeah,
1: it's, 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 it's nice. It's a nice little change of pace. I'm not going to lie. I I do think that, yeah, having TJ Brody also not having to take the burden of always being on the top pairing too, like it, it, you know, bump him down a little bit. He can focus on, you know, being Justin Hall's, I mean, I wouldn't even call him a babysitter because Justin Hall has been playing it better. I think having TJ Brody gives him a little more confidence. I don't know why. It's a
0: babysitter, um, let's be honest. Yeah. It like
1: we saw, we saw at work when Jake Muzzin and, and uh, TJ Brody were paired together last year that it, there is success to come when you have them together. Or when you have TJ Brody kind of as the as the fact, we're just gonna nickname him the babysitter now. That's now his his thing. That,
0: that's what we call him on uh on the leaf's lunch. We call we call him the babysitter.
1: Yeah, so I I think it's it's nice that they can do that. That and look, Giordano, I guess in the same way, is babysitting Sandine a little yeah. bit. So yeah, the Leafs have a bunch of babysitters. <laughs> Uh, in this line, but I no, I do think that you know Timothy Liljegren. They needed one of these defensemen that they drafted to step up in a big way and contribute higher in the lineup. That's why I was always in favor. Let's get this guy into these roles. He he needs the opportunity to prove that he can do it because that's how you find defensemen like this now in the NHL. Teams are drafting and developing these guys constantly. In words, oh, which leave, which tr- defenseman can they trade for? Which defenseman can they sign? Well, how about you try to find some internal solutions too? Because that's cheaper, <laughs> right? And you know, and, and it's and they're younger. They're they're Timothy Olyphant's just starting to hasn't even reached his prime as a player yet. And that yeah. well, he's uh, he's getting this opportunity and making the most of it.
0: And, and 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 I just think that it's really stable. Like him coming in, getting healthy, coming in, giving. Giving Keith a different option to do something else, like there really wasn't much that he could do back when, you know, Victor Mete and and Phil Crawl, like you're not going to put those guys in your top four. So there wasn't a whole lot he could do before he got back this weekend. But since coming back, you know, Brody and Hall, they've been together now. Actually, it, what's crazy about that, that? I got one more stat that I want to show you. I, you know, this is on um from MoneyPuck.com of defensemen who have played at least. 85 minutes together in a game, right? And that's, you know, it's a decent amount of when I guess, that are on this list. Their expected goals per 60 against Brody and Hall have been the second best pair. The second best pair in the National Hockey League next to Tazen Makar over these past few games together. When they're out there on the ice, their goals, expected goals against per 60, second best duo in the National Hockey League. It's pretty good. Not bad. It's not bad at all. A um, couple of updates from practice. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. By the way, I just came back to the thing. Well, did that not show up?
1: Um, It did not. I just realized it did not show up. Did the other one show up? <laughs> yes, the other one did show up.
0: Okay, as long as the other one showed up. I could quickly – hold on, let me show this one more time. One more time I can show the graphic. Just so you all know, I'm not pulling any legs.
1: I'm not pulling any
0: legs. There There it is, right there. Boom. Number one, Taze McCarr. Number two, Brody Hall. Look at that. Brody and Hall, expected goals against per 60, number two in the NHL. And that's like when you do it per 60 minutes basis, that's I think the fairest way to, to figure out that number. Boom. Second best. Pesci and Shea, third. Rasmus Dalene is in that uh, in that mix here. So, you know, I think that's uh, a lot of credit goes to the babysitter, TJ Brody, for kind of settling down Hall. And uh, they've been a, a pretty good duo. So Hall gets – a lot of poop gets slung at Justin Hall. He has played a lot better as of late. The numbers indicate it. And the fact that we're not sitting here complaining about his turnovers and giveaways and dumb plays, the eye test also would suggest that. Uh, really quickly, potential for uh Matt Murray to play this weekend. Uh, he's practicing with the club, had his first full practice today with the team. And Sheldon Keith said that if he is good to go, if he gives the, the sign off and if the doctors give the sign off and he feels he's ready to play, he they're targeting for Saturday against the Canucks. Uh, which means you know, we might ha- have to start Keith Petruzzelli after all, maybe. Uh, it might be the game that Matt Murray um returns instead, which for all the jokes about Matt Murray, you probably still feel more confident with him than Keith Petrezelli.
1: Yeah, right. You don't want to throw him into you know the fire you know quicker than you would like. Matt Murray didn't exactly seem too committal on when he would be able to play. So Yeah, I don't like the last thing you want to do is put him in a situation where he feels like he has to be rushed, and he's you know potentially re-injures himself. He knows his body better than we do, Um, so I do like that he's not you know pushing too hard to come back because the last thing you want is another goalie to go down. Um, But yeah, I do. It's it would be better if we had Matt Murray available just because you don't want keep technically to have his confidence totally shot after one start. Although Eric Schalgren, uh he kinda he kind of bounced back from that penguins loss not too long ago. Uh so I think uh I think it would be, you know, these guys are professionals. They know the situations that they're in. But you know, if you have options, explore all of them before you do the one you don't want to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think Petra's out there, you know, his, his career. I don't know if that's what they're thinking about, but I, I personally gut feeling Matt Murray will be starting Saturday night against the Canucks. That's my gut feeling, but we'll see what happens. Something to track throughout the rest of the week for sure. All right, Dave, I think we'll close. Uh, we'll close on that. Um, thank you everyone so much for uh, listening and supporting the show as per usual. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here today because subscribe to the Locked on These podcast. On all podcast platforms, I receive daily Leaves content. Follow us on Twitter uh, at Mickey underscore Canuck is mine, at D underscore Morisudi is Dave's. Go ahead, smash that like button, leave a comment down below your thoughts on uh, anything we had to say today. If you got uh, any questions for us too that we can answer, we'll probably do an, an AMA, a little bit of a mailbag at some point in the next couple of uh in the next week or so so you can toss some of those questions down below as well if you would like to uh but we'll be back with another episode tomorrow ladies and gentlemen but until then keep locked right here on locked on Leaves.